Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is up, man? It, it is. It feels. It feels good to be back. I, I am excited. It feels good to be back in the saddle and live with all of you. What is up, everybody? It is the TFA show. We did. We recently did a rookie mock draft on Twitter. Robbie put together a little, uh, a little group. We did a thread, and we were talking about. It, and you're like, you know what? Let's just give the people what they want. It, it is mock draft season. Whether it's the NFL draft, your rookie mock drafts. There are some psychos that are doing redraft mock drafts. You guys are crazy. Pump those brakes. It is it is time to let the the dynasty and the the NFL draft shine. Hold your horses on that redraft stuff. We we have more important things to talk about right now. But we did a superflex tight end premium draft. There were I think the the first round was kind of kind of how you would expect, and then we started getting some surprises after that. But Kev, Robbie, how are you boys doing? What's uh, what's going on tonight? How you feeling? What's what's going on? What, how you doing? Man, I'm not as bubbly as you. I gotta I gotta get jazzed up. You are ready to talk some some mock talk here. Yeah, that that mock was good. Um, I hadn't seen a ton of them out there, so I was like, hey, let's uh, let's throw the guys together and see uh, what trouble we can come up with. And and honestly, you, you said the first round was kind of you know, what you expected. And I was really surprised with some of the guys that, that went earlier fell. Um, the name, so, the names, I guess. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited to kind of get into that. Kev, how, how did you feel, buddy? I, I know you did a, you were in a dynasty league, you know, many moons ago. So this has been your, your first foray into the, into the, the rookies for, for a mock draft. How, how are you doing tonight, and what were your thoughts, I guess, overall before we start diving into the uh, the order and how everything fell? It pretty much made me feel like it's like, you know what? Like, if I wanted to jump right into Dynasty right now, I could just jump right in and just fucking slay because um, I am that good. Like, like, I killed that draft. Like, I fucking crushed that mock draft. Like, championships already, like – Get me in this. Uh, if you want to put me in some dynasty, I can. I'm going to take your money. Okay. Call me Mr. Steal Your Girl. You know, whatever. Like, I, I kill it. So it's whatever I do. Whatever these hands touch turns to gold. Robbie, I, I've, I have nothing. That basically went as I expected it was going to go. Yeah. I mean, you, you put the ball on the tee and he took a swing and I just walked to the next hole. I wasn't going to watch where that one landed. So right in the cup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right in the cup. No, but it was good. It was good for him to, uh, get his wings back in dynasty. You know, we we've always heard Kev harp on, on the dynasty life, but I think he's coming around. 
think he's coming around to it. He enjoys this this content and th- this time of year. So, I, you know, I'm all for it. If he, if he wants to say he crushed the rookie draft, I'm all for it. Bring him in. He's he's one of those guys that's like, you know, dude, I I, I hate the, the this new rap or I hate this that the other. And then he like secretly, as soon as he gets in his car, he's loading up you know, <laughs> Travis Scott or, you know what I mean? What, what have you? Like, I hate rom-coms. And then or he's going home, going home and just uh, curling up and watching a good one with his little tub of Ben and Jerry's by himself. Yep. Some 51st dates are playing on repeat. Got Walido in the chat. Walido, what's going on, buddy? Have, haven't, haven't seen you around these parts for a little bit. You were nowhere to be seen on the on the prop talk show, so that was kind of bullshit. But I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll let that slide this one hey, time. Hey, whoa, whoa. I mean, he, he he showed up our last live that we did for best ball. So, I mean, he was there in the streets, you know, hammering mm-hmm. out. So maybe it's maybe it's you. Did you ever think of that? You selfish uh, son of a bitch. No, I was I was standing outside in the pouring rain underneath the, the street light, just waiting for Valido, and he never showed up on my block. So mm-hmm. good to see you, buddy. Welcome back. <laughs> All right, so here are the results. Uh, the way we did this, it was kind of picture picture spot. We were joined by some of the guys in the community. There were a bunch of TFA heads in there. Uh, Casey Passer joined us. He was with DHH. Tyler Gunther, the man behind Dynasty Happy Hour, joined us as well. Then obviously myself, Robbie, Kev, Jesse from DHH, Tom. We had a an Emmy Award winner, a three-time, three-time Emmy Award winner, David Berger. He was in there. J. Mike, your favorite host, favorite host. George Criticos over at 4 for 4. CJ was in there with us as well. And then the and then Dynasty Bones, the graveyard was with us so again just a uh, a super flex tight end premium here is your first round when trevor lawrence justin fields Najee harris javante williams i'll give you one guess who took that pick jamar chase at 105 zach wilson trey lance as the qb4 coming off the board at 107 kyle pitts rashad bateman rondell moore devonta smith and then travis etn i took bateman at nine Robbie uh, was sitting at the back end. He had 111. Devonta Smith actually fell all the way down. Uh, I mean, we really don't even have to go to Kev for his pick. That that was that could have been the 101. I think he would have taken Javante. Steal the draft. Steal the draft. I, I got a steal there. So um, you love to see it. Love to see it. I was happy. Uh, you know, since I was able to pick my own spot, like I knew I was like, okay, I didn't want to go too high to where it like threw off the way the draft probably would maybe go. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna take the 104. So I know he's gonna be there because I will, I will rage quit this motherfucker if if somebody takes him ahead of me. So I felt good with the 104, getting the the best running back in this class uh, at at 104. I will say, Robbie, though, Devontae Smith at 111 is is uh, yeah. Let me let me let me let me put this in good terms because you know there there were people that were actually making picks and I don't want this completely <laughs> shit on their picks, but it is ridiculous that Devontae Smith went at 111. That. I, I would venture to guess that's probably not going to be something that you see typical in your rookie draft because he is going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL. Yeah, I think I think we should talk about that, though, because the reason and, and I, I obviously didn't have the picks in front of me, but I, I think the reason why is a lot of people are concerned about that height or excuse me, about that weight. And why else would you pick, you know, some of these other. Well, let's let's go to Cody, actually, because I think you have a really good spot here where you took Bateman, who is this guy who does a lot of things really well, obviously has the size, can play inside, can play outside, good catch radius. So 
he's a pretty safe guy where you, you think he'll, he'll go in with any team and have some good production, but you took him over maybe a, a higher upside guy like Devonta Smith. What was your concern there where you went Bateman? That was basically just, it was just safety. I was trying to think of this as if like, if I were actually drafting today, not knowing landing spots, how would I do that? Obviously uh, Devonta Smith was, was it was between when I tweeted out, I said, you know, I was kind of torn between some receivers and it was Bateman Smith and Rondell Moore, which just happened to be the next three picks. I ended up taking Bateman. I think he is a super safe prospect. We saw him, you know, uh, Kevin, and I just recorded the wide receiver show you and, Tom did the dynasty show with, with Angelo, which is a really good listen. If you guys haven't checked that out, that one is already ready for your consumption on podcast. But I basically just took Bateman because I think he's just, he's super safe. He's played inside. He's played outside, uh, left side, right side. That's something that you don't see uh, a lot with, with, a, with a lot of college prospects like Jamar Chase moved around, but I think he only had like 13% of his snaps from the slot. Obviously with Justin Jefferson being there, that's going to, that's going to, you know, be the reason why that was a little bit, uh, a little bit lower. It was basically just a, a safety thing. I think we were talking about our rankings, Kevin, and I were, and I, I actually, I rank Devonta Smith higher because I'm expecting him to get the, the higher draft capital. And, you know, by the time the drafts roll around, I'm, I'm sure that I will be taking Devonta Smith over Bateman. But as of right now, like I said, I was just trying to think of it, like if I were actually drafting, for a league right now, I would I would lean safety, and that's why I would go Bateman over these other receivers. Team hedge life at its finest. You know, it does not surprise me that that's what you went. You went with the safe route. You know, um, but like, I, I obviously that that's the that's the biggest thing that we need, right? In terms of because this year, especially without the combine, it's it feels so different because this is the combine would be happening right now or getting ready to ha- getting ready to happen, and that's kind yeah. of uh, what we're gonna be looking at. And we're, we're not getting that this year, you know. Obviously, we're getting the, the pro days, but I mean, you still, even though it's gonna be run by by uh, the NFL, it's not gonna be run by the teams, the college teams themselves. So it should be a little bit more accurate, but it's, they're still likely not gonna be doing laser times and all that stuff. So. Some of those things are going to be a little bit different, but that's all we're going to have to go off of. But in terms of you know landing spot, obviously this this whole draft board, this draft we did, can be probably thrown out the window once that happens. Because once we get landing spots, I think that is when uh, a lot of uh, opinions will change. Yeah, just from my experience, I think you're right, Kev. Where things really changes is if the landing spot has that entrenched starter in front of the running back or has a wide receiver one in front of the other wide receiver. So if, you know, the, the chiefs were to get a, you know, who could follow them a Rondell Moore that I guess the chiefs is a bad example. Cause you love that offense. Right. But if there's an entrenched starter, like um, who's a better example there, well, pa- Patriots have an opening, right? So if someone goes to the Patriots, there's, there's nobody there. There's Nikhil Harry, there's Edelman who's 36. Now that's a spot where people will be like, okay, I can see my guy getting in there, getting good targets, they need to figure out the quarterback position, but that's a spot where that guy's going to get a lot of targets um, right away. Whereas, you know, you land with, um, you know, the Titans, I guess it would be a good example where you already have AJ Brown, not a throw heavy team. Someone might move the, those uh, picks. And that's something I was guilty of when AJ Brown landed there, when we thought Corey Davis was all the rage um, before his 2020 comeback season, um, I moved him down my boards and obviously that was a mistake. So yeah. Landing spots with the entrenched running back in front of them or the entrenched wide receiver in front of them will will adjust this quite a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things to consider with this as well is that obviously that it being a super flex tight end premium draft. So uh, some of these picks to some people may look a little odd with guys flying, you know, like with, with guys going so low. But when you have four quarterbacks going in the top, you know, top half of the draft and then Kyle Pitts, who I think you can make a case for Kyle Pitts to go higher. Like I fucking love Kyle Pitts and um, I he's going to be a top 10 pick. And if he was a wide receiver, he would be a first round pick. Like that's how good Kyle Pitts is. And I think he is going to be somebody that really breaks the mold. Like, had I not been able to get Javante Williams, even at the 104, I probably would have considered Kyle Pitts there. Because I think he is he has the ability to be the next tight end that we're talking about for the next 10 to 15 years being that guy. And because he has all the attributes you're looking for for a tight end. And tight end premium, you know, as, as positional scarcity as there is at that position, getting a guy like him – now the only downfall with him is does he take a couple of years to develop and really you know depending on where he lands and stuff like that. But regardless, like Kyle Pitts is that guy, and like I know a lot of people were really excited about OJ Howard a couple of years ago, and I don't know if I think Kyle Pitts probably has a little bit more uh, you know hype than what OJ Howard did because in that same draft you had David and Joku who a lot of people loved as well, but this year in this draft with Kyle Pitts like. He's the guy that we've been waiting for. And we you, we throw around the term generational every single year about players. But I really think that Kyle Pitts is a generational talent at the tight end position. Kev, this question from Tam, favorite uh, favorite pick in the first, would you say that would be Kyle Pitts? For, you know, we're not going to count Javante Williams. You can't pick Javante Williams for <laughs> pick in the first round. W- would you go with Kyle Pitts here because it's uh, tight end premium and him falling to 108? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that I think that that was a good. I mean, I think that was that was that was good value for somebody like him because I think he steps right on the field, like I said, day one, and you know, is a, is a contributor in an offense. Like he he plays like a wide receiver. He does not play like your traditional tight end. Like you're not going to be asking him to be an inline blocker at the next level, right? At, at least at least in the beginning, because he was terrible. If if you had one, if you want to bring up any weakness about Kyle Pitts, that was it. Like that was the only thing. He's not the best blocker, but I don't really care about that right like do we talk about travis kelsey and his, like travis kelsey's not a great blocker either like i don't know if people know that or not but he, he is not certainly a guy he's a functional blocker and and that's about it he's not george kittle who is at who's elite at, in terms of you know run blocking or, or you know helping in the past um that, that's just not his game either so i don't care about kyle pitt's ability to be able to uh you know you know pick up blocks and stuff like that and you know be in because he's never going to be an inline tight end so i, I don't really care like to me he is really a mixture of of Darren Waller and Jimmy Graham. Like he he falls somewhere in that category for me, uh, for him. Um, I think he's more Jimmy Graham than Darren Waller because Darren Waller is like freaky athleticism. 4 4 40. You know, Kyle Pitts is, I would be shocked if he ran a 4 4. I think he's more in the high 4 5, 4 6 range. Yeah. I think, I think the, the offense that, that he gets put in will, will really show. He's, he's the type of guy, if you just use him the right way and you don't expect him to block, you just accept him for for what he is, then you're going to have no problems, right? Like if, if you put him in a Cliff Kingsbury spread offense, like sorry to crush your, your Dan Arnold dreams, but that would be just an amazing situation where he's just able to flow. It's a spread offense. We're not expecting him to, to block on 90% of his snaps. Um, he's running routes on a lot of those. So, yeah, I, I think – you get him right with the – and any coordinator should be able to use him with, with how well he – I think he's pretty versatile as a tight end. Um, but, yeah, if you get him in the right 
system. I, I think he can just, you're right. If we're talking about favorite pick, I think him going down there at 108 in a tight end premium, that's one of my favorite picks of this. Just because he's going above Trey Lance for me. I just have too many questions with Trey Lance and tight end premium. If you're set at kind of wide receiver, he's probably going over Jamar Chase just because we've seen if you have this stud tight end, if you had Waller or Kelsey this year, you were probably in your championship. If you had a functional quarterback play, you were probably in your your championship game this year. Yeah, I mean, and I think too, I mean, if you just look what he did, uh, you know, at, at Florida, I mean, he broke out at 18 and I mean, he – He's not a, you know, I've heard, you know, talk about him. He's like a tweener. Like, I don't, I don't get that calling him a, a tweener because he's six foot six, two forty six. Usually when you call a tweener, like you're right. talking about like an Evan Ingram type, right? Yep. Where yep. They're, they're not two forty, you know, they're, they're more in that two twenty, two thirty range. Like he's not that like he is a big dude, but he's still also really young. He's only 20 years old. He doesn't turn 21 until, until start of the season or in, into the NFL season. So he's still very young and he pretty much obliterated every single tight end this year and the past couple of years. So like he, he's just, he's just that guy. Was there any pick in this first round that kind of had you guys scratching your head? Like other than someone like ETN falling, is there anyone that you like really looked at and was like, man, should he be going that high or you were surprised with? No, I maybe Rondell Moore. I think you could make a case for maybe he, especially going over Devonte. Like, um, I mean, I think Devonte should have been the second wide receiver off the board, but you know, I get it. Why, why you went Bateman. I love Bateman too. He's my number. He's my wide receiver three which we talked about uh, in the show you'll be able to catch probably next week, but on, on, on the wide receivers talk. But Devontae, like, to me, the, the, the hate for Devontae has gone too far. And I will say this, and I, I said this on the show last night, when I first started digging into Devontae, or Devontae Smith, and I am a guy, I, I don't, I'm not a big college guy. I don't watch college football every weekend and everything else. Like, I knew who he was, but I, that's about it. And once I started, well, the first thing I heard was, you know, his size, 6'1", 175. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not going to like this guy. You know, BMI, I knew out the gate, was going to be terrible. And BMI does matter. Like, if you, if you look at it, I know some people mock it and everything else for people taking it too. too but if you look at just the, the, the history of BMI and the guys with really low BMI, it is a very small class of wide receivers that ever made it in the next level. But I'll say this, Devontae Smith is already an outlier for how good he's been through college and everything else. So I think you can already call him an outlier. He's kind of already beat that outlier status. So, I, so to me, you kind of throw out the way, but then once you really start digging into him, you're like, damn, th- th- this motherfucker is the truth, right? Like he is not a fluke. And I, I don't think, and there is a little bit too much being made about, about, oh, well, you know, the, the competition he's going to face at the next level, the guys he's going to see at the next level. Oh, everyone's going to press him and everything else and take him out. Like people, like, the NFL doesn't run that much press, okay? And there's not many high-level corners. Like we talked about last night, too. Like, that was a good point Cody brought up. Like, how many elite-level corners are there shut down corners in the NFL? Three, four, maybe, you know? And so it's not really that as big of a concern. I think some of it's being overblown. And, and you know, if it caused him to fall down in rookie drafts, you know, take advantage of it because I think he's going to be really good for a really long time. Got a question here from Ashton before we jump into round two. Do we think that Jets should draft a QB or give Darnold one more shot? Robbie, your thoughts? What do I think they'll do or what do I want them to do? I, I think they'll probably go. They've, they've talked as if they're going to you know, explore all of the, the quarterbacks in this class and, and you know, follow them pretty closely. So I think that's just kind of writing on the wall that they, they want to look at getting the quarterback in there and, and probably trading Darnold is what I think will happen. I, I still like Darnold. Um, you know, he's had his ups and downs and, 
and he's not the guy that's that's ever going to be you know perfect with the ball. I mean, he he does turn it over from time to time, but um, he does have a lot of good talent, and, and especially when you get outside the pocket and and just make kind of uh, kind of going back to my Cowboys roots. He, he reminds me of Tony Romo plays where you just you, you think the play's dead and he he can make plays. So yeah, I, I do like Sam Darnold, but I do think that they move on from him. But I hope he gets a shot somewhere else because. Um, I'm, I'm still in the Darnold is good camp. I, th- I think it's kind of an interesting dichotomy to try to figure out how they should handle this because they do have the number two overall pick. And, you know, we've seen what Adam Gase does to offenses, right? Look, look at what all the guys that left Miami or once or, or once Adam Gase left Miami, all the guys that really started to take off. I mean, Ryan Tannehill saying, bang, people were counting him for dead. And then he goes, and the last two seasons, he's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. And so I would like to see Sam Darnold without Adam Gase, right? He's been pretty much hand, ridden with him his entire career, I think, other than his rookie year. He's still very young. He's only 23. He turns 24 in June. So, like, he, he that is something. I mean, he's younger than a lot of these quarterbacks that have been, you know, that have only been in the league a year or two. And so, like, I think he deserves more time. At the same time, if you do that, let's say you improve and then you end up going six and 10 next year or, you know, something like that. Right. Like then is it worth it to, to pass on, you know, the, these four quarterbacks that we have in this draft and having the number two overall pick and having your decision to take Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. And it sounds like, honestly, it sounds like they're going to take Zach Wilson if they take a quarterback there, because that sounds like who they really like. And he's somebody that's kind of the really, really hot name uh, right now. So I love to, I love, I, I'll, I'll fight anybody over Zach Wilson. I like Zach Wilson a lot. And I, I think that he is going to be uh the truth again at the next level. And I, you know, I, I think a lot of people said the same stuff that they said about Patrick Mahomes when he was coming out, they're saying about him. And some of it's just ridiculous to me. Um, but I, I think that you, you can either stay the course and with all the, the picks that they have because of the trade they made with jo- the, the Josh Adams trade or Jamal Adams to Seattle. So they, they acquired more picks there. So they have a lot of picks in this draft. They could really improve and really build around Sam Darnold. Um, they have a lot of cap space as well. There's a, this is a, one of the most loaded free agent classes you'll ever see. Uh, I mean, a running back, wide receiver. I mean, it's just absolutely loaded. And so they could really turn this thing around really quickly. And then with Robert Sala on the other side and really invest maybe in defense because that's, you know, they're really going to need some help there. Their defense was terrible last year. I think that that could be a direction they go. But I think more often than not, you probably, I think they go. I kind of like the the Jets for everything you just said. I mean, we talked about their cap situation. They're going to be able to bring in a, a, a couple high-level uh, free agents. They have five picks in, in the first two days, two first-round picks. You know, um, if you surround either Darnold or a, you know, a Zach Wilson rookie, you know, with a, a Najee Harris or, or somebody at running back, they have Denzel Mims. They can double down in a loaded wide receiver class, even if they take one in the second or third. Uh, obviously, they do need defensive help, so they, they definitely will go defense with some of those picks. But I kind of like the Jets as as a team that we are, we're not thinking about as a good fantasy option, um, being a lot better with a Mike LaFleur offense. Yeah, and I also think just really quickly before we move on to the next round um, of guys, is I think for me as well is – that you know, if they do that, then I think the smart move and the, would be to trade out of the number two pick and move down, mm-hmm. acquire more assets, and then you know add whoever you're going to add from there. Because I, I just don't think that I, I wouldn't want to take whoever you're taking it to there. I would trade right. down, acquire more assets if you're not planning on taking a quarterback there. Well, you know the Denzel Mims slander will not be tolerated. Yes, hundred percent. As soon as are- I read it. You're, you're, you were on a 24-hour ban, so we will see you at a later date. Moving on to the second round of this Superflex tight end premium rookie mock, 
kick things off at 201 with somebody that Walido was talking about that he would take over my guy Bateman. That is Jalen Waddle, followed up by our first like real surprise pick. And that is Elijah Moore coming in at 202. And that is an Emmy Award winner who took him at that spot. We have Mac Jones coming at 203. Amonra St. Brown, Pat Fryermuth, Tylen Wallace at 206, Kenny Gainwell, Michael Carter, Terrace Marshall, Brevin Jordan, Kadarius Tony, and then the the fall from grace for this guy, Chuba Hubbard, rounding things out at the end of the second. Obviously, Elijah Moore is the is the one that really stands out here. Um, but Robbie, is there anything else that stands out, like any values or you know, just just anything in general, good, bad, ugly? What what sticks out to you here in the second round? And you can also talk about your pick, Kadarius Tony at two eleven. Yeah, I really like this range from 205-ish to all the way to 211. Um, I like uh, literally all of those players, I think, have a lot of uh, good traits to them. I mean, if you're talking about you need a tight end and a tight end premium, you know, Pat's going to be a great pick there. Uh, Tylen Wallace, I think, has a lot of upside. Uh, Gainwell, if you're in a PPR league. Michael Carter, same thing. Terrace Marshall is a guy that a lot of mocks I've seen actual NFL mocks. He's late first. So if he gets that late first draft capital, he will not be at the 209. He'll be up there where Elijah Moore, Mac Jones is, but he's a screaming value right there. Uh, Brevin Jordan, um, we, we, Cody, you and I always joke about the no one's talking about him with uh, Rashad Bateman. Nobody is literally talking about Brevin Jordan. Um, it's all Kyle Pitts um, talk for tight ends. I think he's way late for a tight end premium. And then I like Kadarius Toney um, all the way back at 211. Um, you know, hand, hands and down the field things aren't aren't his calling card, but he's like a juiced up Paris Campbell that when you just get the ball in his hands near the line of scrimmage, he is a after the catch phenom. Um, so at two eleven, I think there's there's upside to be had there. So yeah, I like I like trying to get second round picks if you have a late first and you want to trade back and just get two middle of the middle of the seconds. I, I like double dipping here in the second round. Robbie, real quick, one more thing before I kick it to Kev. Just in terms of just general strategy, at what point of a rookie draft are you just swinging for upside? Because obviously it's it's all a crapshoot. In the first round, I think you basically have like a 50% hit rate, but that's only in like the top half That in terms of like guys who are ever really going to be, you know, solid fantasy contributors. And it just gets worse as the, as the rounds go further. Are you just shooting for upside right off of the bat? Are you waiting till second, third round? How how are you handling that? And then we'll throw it to to Kev for his thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this class is different because I think we're talking about a deep wide receiver class. We're talking about four quarterbacks that are probably going to go in in the first ten picks, first six picks. You know, so all of that pushes these guys into the second round, kind of like how we saw in 2020, where if you had a middle of the second pick, you're, you might've been getting a T Higgins at the 204. Uh, you might've been getting a Jalen Rager at the 202, maybe the more early second. But um, yeah, I think when you're starting to get into the mid late second, you should just be looking at like, what type of league do you have? Are you, do you have a two tight end or a, a tight end premium? Do you have a PPR or, you know, what type of league do you have and, and who can get you those points maybe right away? Um, and so I think that's, that's somewhere where, Kenneth Gainwell can can fit with a power runner and he's that receiving back uh, that's getting you maybe 40, 50 catches that first year. And, and that's somebody that's going to instantly get get value where if you want to flip him later for a first and or a, a vet that can lead you to a championship because he's probably not going to be a, a three down workhorse back, then that's that's where you kind of get that value with 
um, someone who just produces right away. Cause some of these rookies are going to take time. Um, so that, that's something to keep in mind as well. Not all these guys are going to hit year one. Uh, sometimes it takes a couple years, but you kind of find who has big playability and who can find quick snaps, who can get um, into the starting lineup pretty early. Well, Lido, you, you need to settle down, buddy. I don't know if you have some pent up energy. I, I don't know what's going on with you here, but you, you need to need to calm down. Kev, uh, obviously you took St. Brown at 204. Uh, was there anybody else that you were like kind of considering in at, at that pick? Was there anyone you were torn between? And then just your general thoughts on the on the second round. Yeah, I think I think whenever I was you know on the clock, I was looking at him. I was looking at Terrace Marshall was the was the other guy that I was looking at, and I was also looking at a guy who's not even on the board here. He went in the next round was Jamar Jefferson. I think Jamar Jefferson's the most underrated running back in this class. Like consistently, everybody seems he's in like the seven eight range for a lot of people, six range. Like he to me, he he is he is number four for me in terms of uh, overall running backs. And um, so I was really really thinking about taking him, but I already took Javante. So I, I wanted to take a wide receiver. And so, you know, I ended up going with Amon Ross and Brown. But to me, it's really close between him and Terrace Marshall. Um, I really was, was torn between going both of them. And obviously, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy with Amon Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, I think that he is a very uh, safe uh, option at the next level. I think he, you know, obviously he's going to project at a, as, a, as a strong slot wide receiver. You know, I kind of comped him last night to – I, Sterling Shepard, I think he has that kind of upside um, inside of him. And I know that for some people that might not be that sexy of a of a uh, comp because Sterling Shepard hasn't necessarily put it all together and had that kind of breakout season, so to speak. But most of it has been due to injury. Like when he's on the field, he is uh, he, he's a producer. And so I, I do like him quite a bit. And, um, you know, Terrace Marshall, the other guy. But then, like I said, the other guy was Je- uh, Jamar Jefferson. I fucking love Jamar, J- Jamar Jefferson. And I think that he's going to end up being the, probably the biggest steal of this draft. Cody, I want you to speak on this a little bit, but I think once we have landing spots, I think running backs are going to start moving up because we have four running backs through two, nope, three running backs through two rounds. Nope, we got Chuba there. So I guess six, but normally I feel like we we see running backs just because of how limited they are sometimes in in when you can get a workhorse back or a back that can give you production. Wide receiver, we, we see in, in redraft, you're always waiting, right? The fourth, fifth round um, until people start taking their wide receivers. And I feel like these running backs, once they start to land in certain spots, they're going to start rising up this board. I wouldn't be surprised if if Gainwell has a nice spot, if he's up there in the top of the second or early first. Um, you, you know, you and I like Michael Carter. So I just think that running backs are going to start to flow up and, and Jamar Jefferson won't be a third. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba round pick he's going to definitely be um in the second if he has a decent landing spot and, and can you so with, with canarius tony i just want to circle back on that really quick on the pick you took like because i'm not gonna lie to you, i hate I, I don't like him at all like i like i like uh so like when, when i watched him and when i like i i see the how electric he is in space and how you know the dynamism that he has there and how electric he can be but he is an absolutely god-awful route runner like 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 
completely unpolished. Like that's all he is. It's kind of just an athlete and kind of a weapon. And the fact that he didn't do diddly shit uh, until his senior year, like literally nothing until his senior year, like is also a cause for concern. But you know, this is one of those times where obviously my take is completely different from what it seems like consensus is because Kadarius Tony, it looks like he's going to be a first round pick, like a late first, early second round pick in the NFL draft. So obviously I'm way off there. What other people think of him. And I don't know if it's just because of his athleticism that, that, that makes him want people want to take him that high, but as a pure wide receiver, I just don't see it. Yeah. I think we have to remember that he came in as um, a quarterback. And honestly, after watching Kyle Trask and a lot of that tape, you could argue that he was the best quarterback on that roster. Um, so that's probably why um, you don't see a lot of production early as he's transitioning from being a quarterback to a wide receiver. Yeah, I agree with you. You, you should hope you want to see progression in that sophomore year, junior year. You don't you, you don't see really anything until this senior year. So I can I can understand that criticism completely. Um, but when you're talking about the end of the second round there, there, I don't think there's the type of athletes once the ball's in their hands. Um, at this point, I mean, you could argue the same with Chuba, right? We, we talked about it before. Once he gets that runway, he's uh, kind of that dynamic athlete as well. Um, so I think those are two good high upside pick picks um, athletes, right? We're, we're talking about athletes that if you scheme it properly for them, they can get it done. And um, so, no, there's there's definitely criticism with him. That's why he's probably where I got him at the 211 spot. Um, but, yeah, he's been mocked in the first round, early second. Um, and with that capital, you know, Draft capital is probably one of the number one things that Kev, you and I go back on, you know, James Robinson all the time. Draft capital is a big thing for me. Um, you just see more than often um, your, your stalwarts in dynasty long-term are going to be your first, uh, second or third round picks. Yeah. The thing with uh, going back to your, your original question, Robbie, just about, or your point about the, the running backs, I really don't know how much, these guys rise because like just with how stacked the wide receiver group is outside like Najee Harris maybe goes day one maybe like do we like do we have any running backs that go the you know the the first round of the draft so like I I I just don't know how high of draft capital now landing spots if they land somewhere with a you know a shitty depth chart that they can climb quickly I you know some of these guys are probably going to move up but because of how good this wide receiver group is, and I like, I'm just not seeing a a crazy amount of running backs really go. I mean, I think Najee maybe day one, and then we're looking, you know, early day two, Javante and Etn maybe going, and mm-hmm. then I think we could be until until round three. So I just don't know if there's going to be a lot of draft draft capital going around for these running backs. So they might rise up a little bit. But because of all the question marks, you know, outside of more or less Harrison Williams, I don't know how highly these running backs are going to really going to really going to be climbing real, real quick on that. Yes, you're right. But I don't think people expect running backs to go in the first anymore. I mean, look at the class we had last year. We had one go at the very right. next pick and all the rest of them were second round until you get to uh, Keyshawn Vaughn in the third. And that running back class is one of the better ones we've seen since 2017. So Yes, I agree with what you're saying. I just don't think, and maybe I'm just the minority, but I don't think most people expect or or have that expectation that, oh, my running back needs to be a first-round pick for it to have good draft capital. I think people are thinking second, third round. When you get to day three, you know, kind of depends on the landing situation, but I think the day one, day two is is kind of what you're hoping for with that quote-unquote good draft capital. Yeah, I mean, I I think it also is going to depend on 
So, so there, there's like a handful of teams that like desperately need a running back. The Jets are, are, are in, in that in that category. I think you could see the Dolphins take one. The Falcons definitely need one. The Steelers look like they need one, even though they have Anthony McFarland. But you know they'll probably take another running back. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, are, are are definitely a team that's going to be looking for a running back, even though they have Chase Ed or yeah Chase Edmonds. Uh, Seattle, depending on what they do, uh, they're definitely going to need a running back. So th- there's definitely some landing spots, but we have to keep in mind. That that you know th- this this free agency class is pretty deep as well. So we're gonna have to wait and see what happens there. You know where does Aaron Jones land? There's reports that he that him and Miami uh, have interest um, in each other. You have Chris Carson, who I don't think is going back to Seattle. So where is he gonna land? Like that that could be a perfect landing spot for him to go to like Pittsburgh, right? Like he seems like that kind of running back that Pittsburgh would want and covet to be a three down back. So. Once we get all those things to shake out, if we have some of those landing spots at that point that haven't been filled, like Arizona or like Pittsburgh or Atlanta, like when one of these guys land there, they are going to shoot up because they're going to get immediate opportunity. But that 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 that's that's the thing that we have to wait and see because I look at this running back class and I think it's better than people think that it is. Um, yep. And I, I think people look at it like, ah, it's, it's it's nothing compared to last year. It's nothing. I don't think it's all that different, really, from last year's class. Like. Uh, I, I I just don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. Um, I, I think some of the things that have hurt this year is COVID. I think is part of the problem because of all, all the issues we had with that. All the limited opportunities. A lot of these the guys played maybe four or five games. And if you're just a box score watcher, um, you know it's some of the things don't look right. We don't get the combine that so these guys aren't going to get all that hype. The the combine hype that we get post combine when somebody goes out and runs a four four that we weren't expecting. Or, you know, and things like that. So all those things are going to change people's perception. And we don't have all those things this year. So am I saying that, and again, I'm not saying this class is as good as last year, but I don't think it's as far off as what people think that it is. You know, Cody talks about, he's like, oh, fuck this class. Like, uh, these guys are terrible, whatever. I I, I, I disagree. I think, I think there are some really solid running backs in this class. And to be honest, we have the, the best running back in this class of Javante Williams. So moving on. To the the third round here, uh, Kev, you were talking about this pick already. Jamar Jefferson falling to the beginning of the third. Deami Brown coming in at three hundred two. Draft profile just dropped. Seth mm. Williams at three hundred three. Kylan Hill, Trey Sermon, Hunter Long, Ramondre Stevenson coming at three hundred seven. Amari Rogers, Tamorian Terry, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, and Sage Surratt rounding things out at. 312. Kev, I'll go right back to you. Uh, obviously, you took Kylan Hill here at 304. And then just any other any other thoughts you have here in the third round of the Superflex tight end premium? Yeah, well, I mean, one, I, I was toasting my face off that Jamar Jefferson. I, I was like, ooh, okay, okay. I might be able to get this man in the third round. It did not happen. Uh, he was picked a couple of spots ahead of me. So I, I recovered and I pivoted and I went straight to Kylan Hill because I think he is another guy that I think is a little bit undervalued right now. And I think that he, in the right landing spot, I think he has three down upside as well. Like the, those are the guys that I would be looking for in, in, in any, in terms of any rookie draft are guys, they have to, they have to have the, at least the ability to be a three down back. Um, you know, th- these guys that are in between the tackles grinders or just purely a satellite back that have no opportunity for that. Like I, I ain't about that life. Like, and this opportunity and in this space, like give me the guys that have three down upside. Maybe they don't ever reach that ceiling, but especially in the third round here, like these are the guys that I would be looking for in terms of the running back position. And like, so that's like, for me, like I would take a guy like Trey Sermon off my board because I, I have no interest in that. Cause I don't think he's ever going to be a, a, a pass catching running back at the next level. Um, I, I think he's strictly a first and second down guy. 
And so to me, when, when, when Kylan Hill saw on the board, it was an easy take for me to, to go there. The other, the other picks I, and uh, I'm not trashy here, Robbie, but like taking the quarterbacks here, like I thought was like kind of crazy to me because neither one of these guys are ever going to be anything in the NFL or the, or let me just put this. The chances of them being anything in the NFL are so ridiculously low because I, I think both these guys are probably like third, fourth, fifth round picks in the NFL. And most of them never probably even get an opportunity in the, at the next level. So for me, and just the way that I would think is I'm all looking I, like I'm swinging for the fences with every pick that you get, especially when you only get four rounds to, to, to make your picks here and, and, to, and to make something like I can't take a guy like Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond, who even if they get an opportunity at the next level, it's going to be way down the road. Um, and somebody that you're just going to have on your bench. So like, what's the true upside of taking them versus the guys that went, when they went after him, even in the fourth round, like what's the upside there, I guess, and your thought of taking those guys, I know it's a, a you know, a super flex. So, you know, having some a- ammo there, but like just the chances of them ever really panning out is so low. Yeah. It, it's all super flex here, Kev. Um, your number one way to increase value from a third or fourth round pick is to have a quarterback that you take that comes in as a mid-round pick, he's a backup, and then the starter goes down, and he's that guy. If it's just for half the season and someone needs um, a starter because they lost Jimmy G, they lost Ben Roethlisberger, they lost some quarterback, Matt Stafford, and they need a quarterback for eight weeks to get them uh, as their QB3 or something, um, or you have a Gardner Minshew uh, situation where he kind of balls out for half the year. He does pretty well. He's a sixth round guy. He was probably a fourth round pick in, in Superflex um, his rookie year. And then he starts for, you know, what do you have? Probably 15, 16 starts in total. Um, probably more than that. So that's the upside of taking a mid round. Kyle Mon- or Kellen Mond is probably going to be, like you said, a, a fourth round ish pick. Uh, someone who you know had a really good sophomore year, balled out, didn't really do anything uh, to impress his junior year, and then and then rebounds pretty nicely his senior year. He's a four-year starter. Um, that's something that you really like from the quarterback position. Um, he's got a lot of reps. So um, yeah, I think he's a guy that if he gets drafted to the Steelers, and that's going to be a spot where he's jumping up. He'll he'll go in the second round if if he gets drafted by the Steelers in a super flex. Um, so yeah, I, I like that pick there. I do not like Kyle Trask. The arm strength is what bothers me there. I don't think there's upside there. So I agree with you on Kyle Trask just because of the specific, but Kellen Mond is a guy that, I mean, he was the second, uh, recruited quarterback behind Tua in what would that be the 2017 class? Um, so he's a highly recruited guy. I think, I think you have a lot of potential there if he ever became a starter. Yeah. That's, that's really what it comes down to in a super flex league is just guys like there's a much higher chance it, by the time you get to the third round, you're looking at like, uh, what is it? Like a 15% hit rate on your third round picks. It's, it's, it's something low like that. Um, the, just the ability to k- kind of the, the penny stock, so to speak, where you, you flip it, if it gains any value, Robbie, you threw out uh Garner Minshew. I just went and looked really quick in Kamikaze. I won him for $2 in That's our low. auction. That's a fourth now, round pick or a free agent, yeah, a waiver pick. The 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 only thing that I didn't do right was I didn't sell him <laughs> and capitalize on it. But he was a two dollar win, and that's really what you're like. You're looking at lottery tickets, at you know, really the the entire NFL draft as a whole, and then especially once you get past, you know, once you get deeper into these third rounds, um, th- there are some really interesting names here at the top. 
of the third round. I mean, Kev already talked about Jamar Jefferson. Deami Brown is someone who I really like. Seth Williams going at 303. He was a really highly touted recruit coming into college. Someone who hasn't put it all together, but he definitely has all the tools. Kylan Hill, we all really like. Robbie Trey Sermon is is one of your guys. Um, Tamorian Terry, you want to talk about a, a just swinging for the fence as a home run head. Talk about yeah, six four, two hundred plus pounds, and has the has has a speed to boot. So, if if you can sell off some aging veterans or some guys you don't believe in, just kind of for whatever someone will send you, and you get like a early third. I think this is a kind of class where you might be able to actually hit on a couple of these guys. Just looking at some of the names here that that went that fell to the third. Yeah, kind of while you were talking, I went back to 2019 third round in in one of my dynasty leagues, and we we have you know Jay Sternberger, Darwin Thompson, Riley Ridley, Damian Harris, Justice Hill, Raquel Armstead, Deontay Johnson. So there's a name: Bryce Love, Dexter Williams, Benny Snell. Alexander Madison and Elise Mack. Um, so I think third round is kind of a crapshoot anyways. Most of these guys, like Cody was saying, your, your 15% hit rate sounds about right. There's only Deontay Johnson and maybe one other name there. So that that's where I think uh, if there's a mid-round quarterback or, a, or a, a running back who falls in a good spot, those are where I'm looking at. The, the wide receivers, maybe, maybe, but – um, yeah, I'm, you're going for upside at the end of this third and fourth round for sure. Going back to Cody's early question of when do you start swinging for that upside? I think it's definitely third and fourth round. Speaking of fourth round, let's round things out here and start to wrap this up. Going at 401, Shai Smith, wide receiver out of South Carolina. Then we have Khalil Herbert running back out of VTech. Nico Collins, Dwayne Eskridge, the senior bowl lord. Tutu Atwell, Demetric Felton, Cornell Powell at 407. Jared Patterson, Daz Newsom, Puka Williams, JV and Hawkins, and then Marquez Stevenson rounding things out. Kev, you've been silent here for, for a little bit. Um, your pick, Dwayne Eskridge at 404. Talk about him and then just any uh, any of the takeaways you had from this round. I think there's a couple guys in this list that are going to end up getting drafted much higher than I think people are going to expect. Um, Dwayne Eskridge is definitely one of them. He really stood out at, at the Senior Bowl and I think he really helped his draft capital. Played at a small school at Western Michigan, and but very dynamic athlete. Somebody I think that that would really um, trans- translate well to the slot in the NFL. Um, a very a, a pretty a really solid weapon for a, a team depending on where he winds up. But I think he could end up being probably a late second or early third round pick in the NFL. Like I, I think he is going to really rise up people's boards. And the other guy that I think that I still don't quite understand it, but I'm seeing his name more and more and more in, in mock drafts, NFL mock drafts, is Tutu Atwell. Um, Daniel Jeremiah is a guy that, like, one of the very few guys who does box that I really respect and what he does and, and the stuff that he puts out, and he has a mock in the first round. That tells you he, that guy is very, 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 very connected inside the NFL. And so, like, if he's putting him there, he's it's probably not just somebody he likes. It's also somebody he probably has information on that teams really like as well. So him going in the fourth round, obviously, if he goes in late first, early second, he's flying up this draft board and somebody that goes much earlier. But, man, his size, I just don't really get it because he's like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, 160. Like, I'm like, really? A first or second round pick? Like, you, you, I would think this guy would be like a fourth round pick. But, I mean, I don't know. Teams are falling in love with him. And you know, a lot of I think more and more we're starting to see where guys just want these athletes that, that that they can move them all over the field 
and and put them in different situations and just kind of get their ball and get the ball in their hands. And I think that's why you're seeing like Elijah Moore the same way. I think he's going to go much higher than I think people might expect as well in the NFL draft. Um, so that that's really going to really going to end up um, kind of molding what we think about these guys and where they end up going. Because right now, I think just looking at this list, like most of the guys, yeah, they're probably not going to be anything at the next level. But I think Dwayne Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, and then I think. Um, are probably the two guys on this list that probably end up doing a lot more at the next level. Yeah, Tutu Atwell is one of those wide, <laughs> wide range of outcomes. Most of it probably on the lower side. I think, yeah, I I have never seen him mocked in the first. Um, I forget the name that you just said, but that is hot. That is that is piping hot. Uh, he's he hasn't been yeah yeah he hasn't been the first round. He, he hasn't been his top fifty rookies overall. Like not just the positional players. All of them. He's he's yeah. he's out of top fifty. Yeah, uh, I think he missed me with that. Yeah, probably more of a day three if you look at the consensus. Uh, I think, and and honestly, I almost hope he he goes undrafted and has his pick. Um, if he can land with the Packers or the Chiefs or something like that, I think that's kind of um, some offenses you want. Um, explosive down the field kind of guys, uh, speed guys. So yeah, I, <laughs> first round that is very shocking to hear, but. Yeah, uh, Javion Hawkins was my pick here. Um, this is a guy that that doesn't have uh, a very great, uh, doesn't have a great profile, but you know, coming out of Louisville, he he's he's dynamic. I, I mean, Kev just used the word dynamic, so I don't want to repeat all these words, but he's a guy that you you think he'd have 40, 50 receptions in a season, and he doesn't. But when I've only watched two games on him, but when he does catch the ball, like you'd think he's in that same class as uh, ETN and Gainwell, some of these guys that just catch the ball so naturally, but he only had, I don't even know what it was, maybe 20, 30 catches in, in his career there. So um, he is a, a horizontal spread the field, get him left to right type of guy where it was just kind of a swing for the fences. But yeah, like Kev said, most of these picks will be day three undrafted, probably will be on your taxi squads in dynasty leagues. So um, you're just, you're seeing what you can get at this point. Robbie, was there anybody else? Obviously, at, at 411, the, the pickings are getting slim. But was there anyone else, like a, another name or two, you were kind of tossing around in your head before you picked Hawkins? No. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm not that deep in the wide receiver class yet. So some of these guys, uh, Mark Fitz, Stevenson, I haven't uh, – what's that? I said Larry Round. I so yeah. When Eskridge wasn't on the board, I was going to take Larry Roundtree. That's what I was going to take. But and in terms of wide receivers, I I'm not quite this deep. I'm sure there'll be a guy that I'll he'll make one great catch. And I'll be like, all right, this is my guy for the fourth round. Um, so you know, I think as we keep on going, we get more information. We see their pro days. You know, I get more time to do tape. I'll maybe have a guy here. But yeah, this this fourth round is looking like I I'd prefer to just trade my fourth round for. You know, like a Geo Bernard from last year. I traded my fourth in a couple of leagues for Geo, and you know that ended up hitting a little bit better. So that'd be my route at this point in time. So I I did want to bring up really quickly about the about the Atwell thing because uh, I wanted to look it up really quick. And so yeah, he has him in the first round, going to Green Bay at number twenty nine uh, overall with twenty ninth overall pick. Goodness, my God! I want to just. It, uh, and, and, again, and again, like if it was anybody else, I'm like, whatever, this guy's just trying to be a hot take. But like Daniel, like Daniel Jeremiah is like, like I said, like he is one of the most connect, well-connected guys you'll see. And one of the, and so, I mean, former NFL scout for three different teams, like, you know, the guy's really well-connected. And I think he's going to end up probably being an NFL GM before too long. Um, I know I've heard uh, rumors about him, a lot of teams liking him as a GM and stuff like that. So like if he has him there, like I, I think people should just expect that he's going to go 
probably in the second round. Of the that's NFL that's, yeah. that's crazy to me. I am not plugged in like this gentleman probably is, but <laughs> <laughs> no, and I agree. Like I, it, it blew me away. I was like, what? Like what? Like, like I said, like he's five nine, one sixty five. Like you, I mean, you could probably put on some weight, but still. But I mean, it's I, I don't know. I, it's just wild to me. We we do see that though. Like I feel like the the fantasy community sees kind of commonly drafted names, commonly mocked names in all of these drafts, and then we get surprised when a guy like Gabe Davis goes in the fourth, or like Gabe Davis, and people have to you know go and, and look up his draft profile because there's certain guys that just nobody's talking about and, and they do end up going higher than we think. McCall yep. Hartman. Yeah. Yeah. Another Whatever, name. He went Absolutely. in the second. Everyone was like, what? Like, oh, Terry McLaurin, nobody yeah. thought Terry McLaurin would go that high. And and he was, was he in the second, if I remember right? Um, so yeah, there, there's just some names where you're thinking this guy's going to be a day three guy. Absolutely. For sure. You've seen him in most of the mocks and then all of a sudden, boom, they're around two picks. So, you know, it, it definitely has happened. Yeah, I remember just going back to uh, Miko Harbin real quick. I was on live with uh, with the guys at the Dynasty Draft Room who are now the the NFL Draft Bible was sport. What, however, that whole thing is is turning out for them. But I remember I was I was on live with them and Miko Harbin was the pick, and I was just like, they asked me about him. I was like, uh, maybe you guys could tell me about him because. Like, <laughs> I was like, I know he's like a, a smaller, shiftier guy, but like that was like another one. Like I was absolutely unprepared to talk about whatever, uh, whatever he got drafted. So th- there's always surprises that w- that's what makes everything so much fun. And then, man, especially, especially this year with with no combine, like with everybody congregating at one time, and with how weird the pro days and you know the the medicals and the the private workouts how all that stuff is going to shake out it seems like we're going to get even less information than what we what we normally do so it's going to be uh it's going to be a wild ride over the next two months uh do you guys have any parting thoughts before we uh before we wrap this up and get out of here no i just say that that obviously we know these spots are going to move and shake as we get more information and like kept said at the very top when, when the draft comes in that's that's when a lot of the movement will happen i will also say that if you like somebody and you think they're a good talent, don't move them down because of their landing spot. I, I always hit back on this. I'm sure you guys have heard it a hundred times. AJ Brown was a guy that I really liked out of his class. He lands with the Titans and I moved him down. And And I think that's one of the big takeaways I took from you know my second or third year of Dynasty is that situations change, right? Three guys ahead of him on the depth chart. One gets injured. One you know, leaves or in free agency and all of a sudden they're, they're rocking and rolling. So if you like a guy because of his talent and what you've seen on the field, don't be bullish. Obviously you don't have to take him in the first, if he's now projected to be in, in the third, but um, go and get your guy either way. Well, Lito coming through with the, uh, with the $5 super chat. What, what is that? California money. What, what is it? What does that go down to like a buck? We, we, we appreciate it either way. Well, Lito, you're the man. Or just uh, Canadian buddy there, buddy. It, it was a it was a joke, Dad. <laughs> uh, oh, it's not it, Californian money. It's not. It, it was it was really good to see uh, see you guys in here. Tam rocking with us. Ashton in here. Uh, William rocking with us as well. Hope you're enjoying that. Uh, William's the one who won the uh, the A Rob jersey, correct? I don't remember which jersey. I, I I don't. I'm pretty sure it was A Rob, but I know he won A jersey. I don't remember which one it was. I'm pretty sure it was that one. 
so it, it was good to good to see some familiar faces in here. Um, we'll probably end up doing another one of these before the draft. So if, if there's anything that you guys want us to to talk about a little bit more, if there's any way we can make this more valuable to you guys and more helpful, please drop a comment. Let us know about that. You can reach out reach out to us on Twitter or on Instagram, so you can find us damn near everywhere. Make sure if you are not yet subscribed, you hit that subscribe button. We appreciate all you guys, and uh, we will be talking, Kev. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Let me let, let me talk. All right. You're, you're just, just going to kick me out of here without, without saying anything. And make sure you check out our, our best ball content that we're putting out. Because, uh, like, a lot of people talk about, like, hey, let's do box. Like, you know, you want to do mocks, everything for redraft stuff. Just jump into best ball leagues, right? Like, jump into best ball. It's it's the best mock you possibly can do. And, you know, it, you, don't, you don't have to just do the ones that are $10 or $20. You know, Underdog Fantasy has them for like three dollars, stuff like that. But it's by far the best mock you're going to get. People are going to take it seriously. You're not going to get those jackasses that come in there and don't draft or just draft a bunch of crazy stuff. Uh, I know best ball is a little different in terms of redraft, but for the most part, you're going to get a good idea of where these guys are going. And I, I highly recommend best ball. I love playing them, and so that, that's what I would be doing. So make sure you're checking out that. And actually, me and Ryan and the boys are normally actually going live right now. We're actually the ones on uh, right now, so we jumped into that slot. Uh, they, they, we had a couple family things creep up, and we're going to record tomorrow night offline, and we'll put them out next week. So uh, we got a lot of stuff coming there. So we haven't forgot about the redraft community, and I, I have twisted twisted Cody's arm enough, and I think I got him down. We're, we're, we're going to do some, um, some rankings videos, some early redraft rankings videos that he is fucking amped. I mean, he's like, woo, let's go, like excited about it. Super. Super like I'm I'm I need to calm myself down. There there's a sleeping two-year-old in the house. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back. I'm not gonna let out the absolute just dire excitement that, that is bubbling up inside of me like a like a volcano. But yes, we we have redraft content coming toward you. Uh Walido, the the next best ball show is gonna be coming out podcast and YouTube here <laughs> coming shortly. Listen. Tyler Boyd was a wide receiver one until Burrow went down. So Alito, the person who was in here talking about the Saints are going to win it all, shut your yapper. I was closer with Tyler Boyd than you were with the Saints. That's all I'm going to say. We're getting out of here. Make sure you keep it locked in for more content coming your way. Every platform, every, every format you can think about, we got you guys. Keep it here. Talk to you soon. Bye. See ya. Peace.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.